0: Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow The Lines on Twitter at TheLinesUS or X, whatever Elon Musk wants to call it. And you could follow us on Twitter, X, as well. I'm at Eli Herskovich. Mo is at MoNawar with two W's. Mo, how you doing, man? Great NFL slate this week. Tricky spots, but I think we have a good card.
1: I'm okay. Been better. Been on a downer. It happens.
0: Let's dig into that for a second, not the downslide, not that you want to assess every single decision, but how do you handle that as a capper over the course of an NFL season, especially because it's not like you're grinding on a day-to-day basis like you may be doing with baseball or NBA right now?
1: Yeah, I guess that's the nice thing. You can kind of shake out of it for a couple of days and not worry about putting in any bets for a couple of days. I mean, yeah, you might miss a half point a point here and there value, whatever. I mean, you could just end up skipping those games. It's not that big of a deal. So I guess that is the nice thing about football season and like baseball, NBA, whatever. You just have to keep fighting through it and grinding and it can be really frustrating, but it's a little bit easier in NFL.
0: Yeah. You could literally take the week off. We're going to discuss four games on the NFL week 11 slate bears, lions, Bucs, 49ers, Rams, Seahawks, and Bills, Jets, and then Zach Jackson of The Athletic is going to join us. He covers the Browns and the NFL, so we'll dive into the Deshaun Watson situation, the lowest total of the season with Steelers and Browns, a rematch of a crazy Monday night football game that Zach covered in week two, and then some college football along with another NFL game to dig into with Zach. Before we get into it, remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever we release, the Lions releases any NFL betting video or NBA college football, college basketball, outside shots podcast is back starting on Friday. We'll be recapping the season that's occurred so far, two weeks into the college basketball year and national title features along with looking into the Maui Invitational that tips off. On Monday, A bunch of holiday tournaments actually already getting underway. Brett Gibbons, Kelly Ford do a great job with the College Football Podcast. And obviously the game next week between Ohio State and Michigan, two of the best teams in college football. So be sure to check that out. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. And if you're planning on betting, any NFL Week 11 action, remember, first-time users with BetMGM Sportsbook can use bonus code "The Lines" one word, to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. First game, though, Bears and Lions. Voice crack there for me. It's been a voice crack of a season for the Bears. And I'm selling high in Detroit, buying low on Chicago. Maybe not so much a buy low spot with the Bears, but I'll dig into why I kind of see it as one in a second. How do you view this Detroit team on the surface? Just curious your perspective on the Lions, one of the best teams in the NFC and still have an outside shot at getting that number one seed in the conference come the playoffs. Probably just morphing into kind of the team I thought they would be
1: overall. Just a secondary that I wasn't expecting to get that many stops and they got pretty much flattened by the Chargers last week. Um, but an offense that I think you can have confidence in. So I would say just overall kind of a good offense, mediocre defense team that maybe I'm thinking you can bet some overs on. Uh, It's just a, a team that maybe you don't trust as much in the playoffs just due to the quarterback play though. But at the same time, you know, the NFC, it, unless the 49ers are really clicking on all cylinders, you can't really say anyone's that scary. If you buy into what the numbers and the advanced metrics are saying about the Eagles, which is that they're just a very good team and not a dominant one. So when i be completely stunned, if the lions made the super bowl, I don't think
0: I could say I would be. Okay. Well, on the flip side of that, I wouldn't be stunned if the lions lose this game straight out. Now, I bet the Bears plus nine yesterday on Wednesday as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Line is down to seven and a half. I would still play Chicago above the key number of a touchdown. And as you mentioned with this line, secondary, obviously losing C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Emmanuel Mosley. Offensively, not much to complain about. Eighth most EPA per play. Expected points added in the NFL, but... Allowing or ranking number 19 in the NFL in drop back success rate allowed. If you think about the quarterbacks that they've allowed over 20 points to Lamar Jackson, and that was a terrible spot for Jared Goff on the road. Justin Herbert, you mentioned that Chargers game last week. 24 points to Bryce Young at the Panthers, albeit in a blowout and 20 points to the Packers. And despite leading that game pretty comfortably at halftime, and even though the Packers made a bit of a push in the second half still, Dominating for almost four quarters full game. So, Bears getting Justin Fields back, or seemingly getting Fields back from that dislocated thumb. And Fields ranks below average, bottom 10 actually, when you look at some of the metrics like adjusted EPA per play and drop back success rate. But his turnover worthy play rate is 4.2 percentage points lower than Tyson, Bajan, and I broke that down in my NFL betting column this week over at the lines.com fields also has an above average completion percentage over expected CPOE, and he's going to have the best offensive line that he's ever had in his 10 year short 10 year with the bears bears rank top six in pass block win rate. And you may not think that that's a big variable in this game, but then you factor in that the Lions have the top 10 or a top 10 pressure rate across the league. Both teams play at a pretty slow pace. So I think that kind of favors the dog, especially when you're getting over a touchdown, even though you kind of made the point, generally speaking, that maybe you look to overs with this Lions team just because of how efficient and how many explosive plays this Lions offense can generate. And then also with the Bears defense, they've been much more disruptive since getting Montez Sweat. Not a ton of sacks last week against Carolina. Actually, They may have had three, maybe the week before they didn't have a ton of sacks, but almost 10 quarterback pressures last week against Carolina. And also the Bears have the worst turnover differential across the NFL. So maybe getting some positive luck with the notion that the positive addition that Montez Sweat is can provide some playmaking and havoc on that defensive line. So... I really like the Bears getting over a touchdown again, more so selling high on Detroit here. What do you make of this game, Oh, and the line? Uh,
1: yeah, you got a good number, so I guess you can be happy. I personally would lean a little more the other way. Uh, I'm surprised that this line has gotten where it's gotten. Um, this line is telling us that the Lions are only like six points better than the Bears. That seems kind of crazy. Um I know that neither one of these teams can basically stop anyone from passing the ball. But like I said, when we previously talked about this game, I don't have any idea if the lions are going to lean into it that much. So we'll see what they decide to do on offense. I don't know at the, the bears have just a, a team that just kind of feels like they built their team backwards a little bit. You know, they're good at all the wrong parts of football. They stop the run. Their offense is great at running the ball. Um, I've been impressed with their offensive line in recent weeks. I think they're doing a great job blocking. Um they're going to have to in this spot because I think that's probably my biggest concern on their end. Aside from maybe the secondary is just the sack issues. Justin Fields has always been a high sack quarterback and how the Bears do creating pockets for Fields is probably going to be big. Just the way that he takes the sacks. I don't know, man. This is just one of those spots where you may be able to overcome it against, you know, the opposition, the source opposition they've been playing against, which their schedule has been pretty much laughable, but against the lions, I mean, they are not going to really be able to get behind the eight ball here and put him in obvious passing situations. I don't think so. I just expect them to create a few negative plays on the lions defense. And I'm guessing it's going to be enough to win this game. And I, I don't know. I don't trust their secondary, though, so it's hard for me to lay a big number. I would feel pretty good teasing the Lions, but that's about it.
0: You mentioned secondary play, maybe less so with the Bears. Jalen Johnson has been one of the best coverage corners in the NFL, so I'm curious to see how the matchup with Amon Ra St. Brown goes. And also, yeah, on paper, the Lions have the matchup advantage, especially on the offensive side of the ball against below average Bears defense, despite, like I mentioned, Johnson and what he means to that secondary. Kyler Gordon, below average. Not much else to really like there. Eddie Jackson has taken a step back over the last couple of years after that Pro Bowl season. But I am curious also about this potentially being a letdown spot for Detroit after that grueling emotional win against the Chargers, just back and forth. So couple that with Fields coming back and... Like you said, this line secondary being exploitable. The matchup maybe being negated if the Bears offensive line plays up to par, or at least they have this season. So I like the Bears getting over a touchdown, but I get your points. Over to the late afternoon slate, looking at San Francisco and Tampa Bay, the Niners 11.5 point home favorites after that demolition of Jacksonville last week. How are you betting this one, Mo?
1: Unfortunately, I already bet... The Buccaneers. This game doesn't make me feel good. I hate fading the 49ers. I hate betting the Buccaneers even more, I think. Um, because I hate this coaching staff. But <laughs> man, this one just it's just too high for me. I, I think it checks a lot of the boxes. You want to see. I mean, for one thing, fading the team that looked the best last week. You know, we know how this is a week to week league. That's one of the things I look for for sure. And obviously. Everyone watched the 49ers completely steamroll the Jags, thirty-four to three, I believe, was the final. There, honestly, seemed like it could have been fifty to three the way they were going. Um, so I they like, really
0: wanted to get Christian McCaffrey that yeah, touchdown. That was embarrassing.
1: It was embarrassing, <laughs> and I'll just do like a 10-second rant here. Yeah, and it devalues the record. Okay, like. That was really pathetic. What I'm glad it didn't work. Anyways, um, <clears throat> yeah, the, the Buccaneers, we know what their problems are. They run the ball too often early and put themselves behind the sticks. And they have a quarterback who makes too many mistakes under pressure. But in this game, I mean, those early down runs might keep them on schedule because – We've seen the 49ers run D not perform all that well. I don't think a lot of people are talking about it, but they are 27th in EPA per rush, 19th in success rate. We've seen teams like Arizona and Cincinnati that don't really have very strong, are not really known for maybe very strong rushing attacks, have ran the ball well on them. Obviously Cleveland as well, but that's an offensive line that can be dominant at times. So we can maybe a little more understanding on that one but overall i think maybe more second and sixes second and five second and sevens rather than the second and nines and tens they've been putting themselves in in a lot of these spots and on the other point where you have you know the quarterback in baker mayfield who has made a lot of mistakes under pressure at times the buccaneers offensive line after a little bit of a slow start has some pretty good numbers seventh in adjusted sack rate second in pff grade uh pass blocking so against a niners front that does have some good rushers but basically never blitzes so their pressure rate is only a little above average i think baker could actually perform like a reasonable quarterback i know people are going to think that's crazy against the 49ers but this defense hasn't been that amazing this year and just overall on both sides of the ball I mean, the Bucks have a lot of muscle up front to stand up to what the 49ers do when they're just bullying teams like the Jaguars that they can push, just push around up front. So um, I, I think the line's a little bit too high here. So I'm going to, I already took the Buccaneers. I'm not excited about it, but just going past double digits here
0: is just too high for me. I will say a little bit of a juxtaposition to what the numbers say, just what you brought up with Mayfield under pressure because i agree on the surface and when we look back at that lions game especially with tampa bay coming off the bye mayfield struggled against pressure but overall this year he's actually performed above league average when you look at pressured completion percentage ranking 15th among qualified quarterbacks the passer rating is actually way up from previous seasons like last week against houston 7 of 11 under pressure i know that's kind of surface level Stats, but nonetheless, 85 yards and a touchdown pass. So, and like you said, box offensive line is playing, performing better than they were earlier in the season. So I like this spot for Tampa Bay. You mentioned San Francisco doesn't blitz nearly as often. And it's also a potential look ahead spot with the Niners having a huge game, which kind of correlates to my look with Rams and Seahawks going to break that game down next. But huge, huge NFC West matchup next week with obviously division title implications on Thanksgiving. So I like Tampa Bay. I'm with you. I don't know if I'm going to bet it, but I'm definitely with you on the number. I make this a little closer to 10 and a half 11 with the Bucks, and you getting 11 and a half. So I like your side, man.
1: Yeah, they do have a big game coming up as well. So I mean, on the other side, you do have Tampa Bay with a long trip here. So maybe that works against them a little bit, but you know, 49ers, not known as a tough place to play, really. So hopefully they can just play their normal game. I honestly have been pretty impressed when I've watched Baker Mayfield in several games. I know there's been some frustrating ones where he just like won't pull the trigger and is taking some bad sacks. But when he is getting rid of the ball, he has fit into some tight windows at times this year. And he's honestly been let down by his pass catchers in several spots. I mean, everybody knows about the big Mike Evans drops in multiple multiple big plays but I think there's been even other other players dropping multiple passes and
0: I, I thought he's actually played pretty well. On to Rams and Seahawks. This line, at a pick-em at some books, it was as high as two and a half earlier in the week but that was early Monday before the news came out that Matt Stafford was going to return this week off of the sprained ligament in his right thumb on his throwing hand. So, There are some Rams plus one still available. I got LA at plus one. I would bet this up to minus one. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Rams closed as a favorite here. And to the point that I brought up with the big matchup between the Seahawks and the 49ers next week, not only do I think this is a look-ahead spot for Seattle, and you may say Seattle isn't going to take LA lightly just because they lost to the Rams in week one, but the Rams are coming off the bye. You're getting... Stafford seemingly healthy or healthier and Stafford has performed really well against cover three coverage, especially uh, against the Seahawks. When you look back at week one, 8.8 yards per pass attempt and zone coverage in general and the Seahawks run the most zone coverage in the league and that goes back to historically and traditionally with Pete Carroll manning the Seahawks defense. So I think you do see positive aggression for the Rams offense, the Rams over their last two games in that blowout loss to Dallas and whatever that game was against the Packers combining over those two weeks to rank number 26 across the NFL in EPA per play. You also look back at the week one game, the Rams didn't have Cooper Cup on the field and Cup has destroyed cover three coverage in his career, 30% over a 30% target share and over a 30% targets or target per route run versus cover three looks since 2021. So even with Seattle's defense improving, at least going back to last year in the secondary with Devon Witherspoon, the rookie cornerback from Illinois, I think he ranks 12th in pro football focus among Coverage corners this year, but Seattle secondary has still struggled overall. They've allowed an above average EPA per dropback and dropback success rate. And I mentioned this last week in comparison to the Steelers, both of those teams between Seattle and Pittsburgh have the widest gap in plays per game on offense and defense. Seattle with just under less than nine plays per game on offense so Seattle's defense is worn down and that was a grinded out game against the Commanders last week that came down to the wire one of six games that ended in a game winning field goal Seattle didn't cover the number I got a little bit fortunate with Washington scoring a touchdown in the final two minutes I was on the Commanders plus six and a half but Geno Smith, too. I brought this up with my Seahawks and Commanders handicap last week. Still below league average, ranking 13th in, or 13th lowest, I should say. Adjusted EPA per play among qualified quarterbacks this year. So, rest advantage on the side of the Rams. are getting Stafford back. Much higher ceiling on offense. I love the matchup with Stafford and Cup against this cover three scheme obviously not a fan of the Rams defense they rank below league average in adjusted EPA per play allowed and drop X success rate themselves but the situational spot definitely favors the Rams so I like them in what is essentially a de facto pick them against Seattle what do you make of this game
1: um I think the line is pretty fair uh I think the Seahawks are pretty clearly a better team than the Rams. but alongside kind of what you were saying, I do wonder about this over uh, 46 and a half. You got two teams that can really pass the ball to pretty solid collections of weapons against secondaries that, you know, you have a mediocre one, I guess, maybe for Seattle, although maybe there is some talent should be good. But really, like you said, hasn't been performing that great. And the Rams have an atrocious secondary. Uh, so these two teams playing indoors, I think we could see a lot of points in this one. Every time I'm looking at these Rams games, I'm just thinking of what is going to happen when Matt Stafford drops back because I've talked about it before. If the opposing team can get a pass rush on him and make him move, he's pretty terrible at this point. Um, But can they protect him in this spot against Seattle? I would lean yes against this mediocre Seattle pass rush. So I think both teams should be able to score here And the line, I think, is probably about where it should be. But like you said, a lot of sharp action on the Rams, it looks like, all week. Um, They've been getting hit pretty good. I I think this opened maybe as high as three in some spots. So, uh, market definitely a big fan of Matt Stafford coming back. So, uh, we'll see how this one goes. But I, I am definitely expecting some points here.
0: And to your point about the Seahawks' pressure rate, it's gotten better since they acquired Leonard Williams from the giants but yeah it's not like this is an elite defensive line and we've seen what happens when stafford goes up against that like against dallas in week eight pittsburgh the previous week although rams probably should have at least had a chance to get the ball back a pretty bad call on that fourth and one that gave pittsburgh the first down and essentially onto the game so fourth of four games that we're going to handicap here mo we've already touched on Three Bears Lions, Bucks 49ers, and Rams Seahawks. And if you missed any of our bets in real time, be sure to check those out in the Lions Discord channel. The link is over at the Lions.com in the top right-hand corner. And despite me mentioning Mo's up and down stretch over the last few weeks, we're having a really good season. And I beat the closing number here: 25 and 12 with spreads and totals. So if you've been watching and listening to the show, you've definitely been having a profitable NFL season. And Mo the fourth game that we're going to discuss. Bills and Jets. Buffalo firing Ken Dorsey earlier in the week. Offensive coordinator after losing on Monday Night Football because they had 12 men on the field after the Broncos and Lutz missed the field goal at first. That 12th man was DeMar Hamlin, ironically. And now Buffalo is a touchdown favorite at home against the utterly terrible Zach Wilson led New York Jets. So how are you betting this one? Sorry, I hit my computer. (laughs) Oh, no worries. What's going on, Zach? Yeah, we'll we'll get to you in a second. Moe's just wrapping up. Bills, Jots.
1: Unfortunately, again, I am, as my buddy said when we were talking about this game, putting my clown suit back on and betting the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Um, yeah, they just continue to destroy themselves with turnovers and penalties. But then every week you look at the EPA numbers and the grading numbers, and they all love the Bills, so... I mean, yards per play, obviously still very good. They completely flattened Denver in that sense. I think almost plus three. And then obviously now facing a a very strong Jets defense. But, you know, we know good offense will beat good defense or at least beat it enough to score some points. I think we can be very confident the Bills are going to score, you know, 17, 20, something like that, even if they have a bad day. I don't know how the Jets are going to do anything on offense in this game. They have a bad quarterback and a bad offense on the road in a tough environment. And, you know, sometimes they're getting some mileage out of things like, you know, Zach Wilson scrambling has been getting them some yards here and there. While well, you have a Buffalo team that doesn't really ever blitz, uh, just wants to sit back and let the front guys get pressure. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of rushing lanes for Zach Wilson, He's going to need to find lanes to throw the ball basically against this Bill's defense. I don't trust him to do that. We know he will make mistakes and misreads. He keeps doing it week after week. And you have just a Jets offense here that, I mean, dude, they have one touchdown in the past four games, literally four NFL games where the other team didn't allow them to score. They have one touchdown. I mean, we've seen the bills up against much better offenses than this Denver Tampa Bay, these teams are not moving the ball hardly at all. And like I said, they're much better than what the Jets are running out there, especially when you look at the weapons the Bucs have. I mean, I don't think the Bills will have too much trouble here at home. I'm surprised that the number, I mean, I guess it is up to the key number, but I thought, you know, when it was opening in a lot of spots, seven and a half, eight, I think that's like more where it should be. So once again, going to bet the Buffalo Bills and hope they can completely not sink
0: themselves. (laughs) Easier said than done for sure. But injuries definitely side with the Bills. I'm looking at the practice report for the Jets as of Thursday. Garrett Wilson was on the field for practice, but had an elbow pad on, I think, his right arm. So definitely something to monitor there Sounds like he was limited. I don't think the official practice report has come out yet. Billy Turner, one of their tackles, also working in the rehab area. He hasn't or didn't practice on Wednesday. Becton was limited on Wednesday. So you're talking about, at the very least, a banged-up Jets offensive line going up against a Bills defensive front with Ed Oliver wrecking havoc. And overall, they rank fourth in pressure rate. Jets rank first, and I will say... I think we touched on this when we were handicapping the game to week one. And I know that was also with Aaron Rodgers supposed to be on the field for this Jets offense. And some betters are clamoring for him to win comeback player of the year. We'll see if he actually comes back. But Salah has given Josh Allen a lot of fits. So I'm just curious to see what this Bill's offense looks like without Ken Dorsey. And you know, they have to make a statement. The season is absolutely on the line. We'll touch on the Browns here in a minute. The team that. Has a lot of question marks offensively with the Deshaun Watson situation and him undergoing season-ending shoulder surgery. Excited to get Zach Jackson's take on that game. But yeah, just a lot of question marks for me on both sides of the ball. I I will say I would probably be most comfortable teasing the Bills down just because of the situational edge. But that's about as far as I can go with it.
1: Yeah, the Bills, not an easy team to have confidence in right now. I guess we should real quick mention that you know the offensive coordinator change. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't know if there's like some kind of top-down edict, maybe from, maybe from McDermott himself, that he wants a different offensive approach. I mean, they were running the ball well at times against Denver and seemed to get away from it, but it just comes down to players executing, honestly, more than anything. So I think the Bills are going to be fine if people stop dropping passes and fumbling. So we'll see if they can manage that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, a bunch of drops on Monday night at minus three in the turnover department and fumble luck. Even though it kind of went Cook's way on their touchdown that should have won the game, if not for 12 men on the field. Definitely negative variance in Buffalo's direction. We'll see if it flips and reverses course against the Jets. So those are our four bets. Lions or Bears against Detroit. Bears getting over the key number of seven. Bucs at San Francisco, the Rams against Seattle in a, essentially a pick spot, and then the Bills laying it, laying a touchdown against the Jets. Now it's time to be joined by Zach Jackson. You can follow him on Twitter, Akron Jackson X Twitter, whatever Elon Musk wants to call it these days. He covers the Browns and the NFL for the Athletic. Zach, it's been a crazy week for you, not only with this Deshaun Watson situation, but also a little bit of college football work that you do and the whole Jim Harbaugh scandal cheating allegations him potentially may or may not be coaching this weekend ahead of the game next week with Ohio state and Michigan. So a lot of excitement going on in your profession for sure.
2: Yeah. You know, we do the uh, it's Midwest based, just a, a picks column. And so we pick the matching games and we talk about Michigan, Ohio state and all of that. So that's my only extent there. Thank goodness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um You know, with that. But I am going to Ohio State, Minnesota on Saturday. Um, My brother-in-law is the level of just dedicated fan. He's a season ticket holder for Ohio State. He lives in Phoenix. So he doesn't get to actually go to many. So we're going to go. So I'm going to be on Marvin Harrison to score two touchdowns. (laughs) Uh, Because I'm already on Marvin Harrison to win the Heisman, right? So you might as well keep doubling down. (laughs) Um, But it's going to get cold here, and we'll see. And then next week's going to be really fun with Ohio State-Michigan, because I don't trust Ohio State's quarterback play, but I, I do think they can win that game.
0: I want to ask you, and we could start off with college football, then get back to the NFL since we're already on it. The Heisman conversation is wide open to an extent. Bo Nix is the favorite pretty much across the board at around minus 110. Then Penix of Washington, Daniels has made a strong push as well at around Plus three fifty, and then Marvin Harrison Jr. You mentioned at around plus five fifty, plus six hundred. So, any more depth to maybe it was more of just a sprinkle on Harrison at the beginning of the year. I'm not sure when you placed the bet, but any thoughts on the Heisman
2: race right now? You know, I'm a little surprised that Knicks is is the favorite. I, I really am, uh, and I think people are assuming that they're going to beat Oregon State and then beat Washington or whoever it will end up being in the rematch, right? And I don't hate that assumption. Um, I just it surprises me. Like I think Marvin is the best player, and I understand it's a quarterback award and in all of that. I think Marvin's the best player, and I think Michael Penix and he showed it again last week in the big moments when everybody is watching. He's he's been awesome. Not on every throw, but when they're on, they're on. Right, and that offense is fun. And he beat Bo Nix the first time. Can he do it a second time? Will there be a second time? You know I, that's all to be uh sorted out. Right, so. Um, that does surprise me a little bit. Now it is a total sprinkle from a couple of months ago. It's, it's nothing huge. It's not when my friend had Joe Burrow hundred to one, five years ago, (laughs) right? So it's not that I'm sweating it. I'm just saying if I'm going to be in Columbus anyway, and it's going to be like 30 degrees colder than I like it to be, then I'm going to sort of double down with a Marvin to score at least two touchdowns.
0: Yeah. I don't blame you. I guess it provides you with a little, (laughs) little heat. If you're sweating something (laughs) during the game, I definitely hear you there. And Also looking at the two games with Ohio State, Minnesota, and Michigan and Maryland, like I mentioned, we don't know if Harbaugh is going to be coaching for Michigan, that hearing taking place. I think it
2: just came out that he's not. Okay. So we got some breaking news there.
0: Accepted his three-game suspension. So he won't be coaching against Ohio State for the game either next week. So what's your perception on that, Zach? And then, like I alluded to from the get-go, how are you betting the two games ahead of the game next week.
2: Yeah, you know, if it was the first one without him, I would think maybe it would affect the line and it might affect my thinking because it's the third one without him. You know, I, I don't know. Um, we know Michigan's really good. Every kid on that defense might get drafted, right? Um, the two running, the, the emergence of Donovan Edwards last week, really after he's kind of had a quiet year, gives them a lot. They don't have a, a, a great passing offense. They didn't need it last week. What was it, 32 runs in a row with, you know, with one pass interference? You know mixed in there so i don't know normally i in any in other article you're referencing normally i would be auto against michigan and ohio state this week right because we know what's at stake we know they are so much better than almost everyone they play all year long and they get to november and it's easy to look at at the game which is at the end of the month this year i don't know maryland has been awful when they've been bad but they do have good players um they had Ohio State on the ropes. They didn't even cover the game, but they led it by two scores, I think, in the in the third quarter. Certainly in the second quarter they did. Um, so, you know, they're a dangerous one there, but I don't know. What does Minnesota have? Can they really get 14 on Ohio State? Ohio State was on their way last week to scoring 70 on Michigan State and totally ramped it down, so that's probably the case. Um, I just – I don't think it's either auto against for me because I think this Michigan team is playing super angry and is really good on defense. And I'm just not sure what Minnesota can do at all against Ohio State. I mean, if you're going to have to get it maybe over seven to cover that, right? And I, I'm not sure they do.
1: <laughs> Thanks for the reminder about my Maryland plus 20 or whatever that was. That was really fun. Yeah, I mean, that was really all- fun. T-
2: on like the short list for the year, right? That's, that's right up there.
1: <laughs> yeah, like that was the most absurd college loss I think I've had all year. That basically was... A tight game for like three quarters, and then they just like didn't didn't cover three touchdowns.
0: I don't know, man. I don't know if you and I sure Zach saw this last night with Buffalo and Miami of Ohio and should That yes. might have been the biggest bad beat of any college football game this year. Now,
2: and it would have put it over too if I if I'm correct.
0: Yeah. So yeah
2: that that was awful. I mean that's an 80 yard touchdown and said it's a 79 yard pass and a fumble. Um, that. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Maryland one happens every year. That one happens once every 10 years.
0: <laughs> for sure. Mo, go ahead with uh, transitioning us over to the Browns.
1: Yeah, we better we better talk about pro football and not college <laughs> bad beats anymore. Um, really surprising situation, I think, for a lot of people this week with Deshaun Watson going down. Not necessarily that he did go down because he's been having a tough, tough, t- tough time staying healthy, but just the way they pretty quickly announced that Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to be the quarterback when I guess they really didn't have any reason not to put PJ Walker. And you would think after he did an acceptable job, I think piloting the team and, and DTR pretty much fell flat on his face when uh, they did try to put him in there. So uh, what did you make of that situation? Like uh, what did it surprise you at all?
2: Yeah, mildly. Um, I would couch what you said and what I'm about to say by saying there's no such thing as, outrageous with these Browns, right? Like, or, or overly surprising, but the simple answer to why not PJ Walker is six turnovers in his last two games. Like he just was not taking care of the ball. They did not do right by Dorian Thompson Robinson with the odd circumstances of his first start. And then the game plan and all of that, they fed him to the wolves and the wolves, the Ravens in this case, just destroyed him. So um, because they have to look at the future to an extent, I'm not surprised because they feel like he will take a little bit better care of the ball. Um, I'm not that surprised. But, you know, this is a rookie, guys, that has one game on his resume. It was as awful as can be. He hasn't been seen except for one pass since then. And you have to wonder, A, where his confidence is, and B, where his arm is if they do need him to make some throws to beat the Steelers. So uh, I only get to see the very beginning of practice when they're going through the motions and the individual drills. But I can guarantee you that what goes on in those practices after we leave, everything is built around winning this game 13-10. to 10 or 10-3, something like that, right? It should be the under of unders, um, barring defensive touchdowns, and the Browns are going to run. They're going to bootleg. Uh, when they do throw, he's going to have two reads, right? And read two and a half or three is throw it away or take the sack. They just don't want him to turn it over. So it's going to be cold, but it's not going to be one of these wild Cleveland weather games. Um, he, he's an adequate athlete. He's an adequate thrower. He's a smart, impressive kid who they feel like will carry the game plan from the meeting room Wednesday to the huddle and out there. He just can't be put in the position where he has to make plays, especially down the field, because he doesn't have the arm and he doesn't have the experience.
1: Okay, that's, that's uh, yeah. So what you're saying is maybe maybe a live bet here if, if uh, the Browns fall behind. <laughs> uh, but uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, look, the Steelers want to do the same too. They, they, their offense is better than it was in Week 2. They beat the Browns in Week 2 despite having minus 7 yards of offense in the fourth quarter. Right, so they're running it a little better, and I just think both teams they want to run it. They're going to be willing to punt it. Um, they're going to be willing to kick the field goals and take the three when they can. It's going to be a very buttoned up kind of game. So I, I I do think you might see P.J. Walker. I think you might see the kitchen sink from the Browns in terms of different formations, different guys handling the ball and doing different things. But their whole goal is for Jerome Ford to be around 20 carries for DTR's early throws to be all on rollout, simple stuff, you know, into short zones and short to the tight ends and let him settle in. And they hope that in the second half that they're using Ford and Kareem Hunt and not using DTR.
1: Yeah, I mean, what you're saying definitely makes sense. And as far as the market goes, it's definitely feeling the same as you, clearly, since we have Mm -hmm. one of the lowest totals of the past 10 years and the lowest total of the season. And then you have a situation where the steam came in pretty heavy on the underdog as soon as the Deshaun Watson situation was out there. uh, I think line moved all the way even to Steelers being favored in some spots briefly before settling back. I think now pretty consensus around Cleveland minus one. So what you're saying basically is that you do pretty much agree with these moves?
2: Yeah, uh, the Browns are expecting DeWan Jones back. They had to play with two backup tackles last week, so they're expecting him back. They'll still have a backup left tackle against Alex Highsmith, who really was, was hard on him the last game. They're going to have everybody on defense except Juan Thornhill, who has been solid but has not been a super impact guy. Um, you know, I think thirty eight and a half or thirty eight, where they posted the total, was probably too high before the Watson news. Honestly, so I am zero bit surprised to see it drop down under thirty three. And I think if both coaches get it and we you know get their ways and we avoid the big defensive scores of the last game, then I do think it's thirteen or sixteen wins and it, and it stays under. Like I, I know the defensive touchdowns and the occasional big play and the flag in the NFL, right? Defeat unders, but i would be willing to take my chances that the the move is right and that when these books post an under that's one of the lowest in 10 years that they're damn confident it's going to be an under
0: yeah and you look at pittsburgh you mentioned their yardage output at the fourth quarter of that week two game crazy game and definitely hurt mo's on cleveland to allow the fewest points per game i think he had that future (laughs) that defense is obviously playing really well one of the best yeah Defenses in the NFL, but you look at the Steelers' point differential and yardage output overall this season. The first team in NFL history to go six and three, despite getting outgained in every single game this season. And right now, Pittsburgh is in the five seed spot in the AFC playoff picture 10 weeks in. The Browns are in the six seed at six and three as well. So, huge game for playoff implications. And then you look at the Browns' playoff odds right now minus 180 to make the playoffs, plus 150 to miss. So is this top five defense enough to get Cleveland into the playoffs in a loaded AFC?
2: It is. And it absolutely is. But 180 seems awfully rich, right? Because um, the defense is the real deal. And, but they've gone Eli from where they're either going to be favored the rest of the way, or every game's going to be a toss up to looking to play in DTR or PJ Walker road games against Jacksonville. Who's going to need the game, right? Even this one, they went from, over a field goal favorite to basically a, a toss-up game. We don't know how DTR is going to respond. And, Mo, to your point with with the surprise on this, like, you know, DTR might be the best option, but we don't have any proof of that, right? So, um, in the big picture, the Browns are in trouble with Watson's injury and contract and all of that thing. And with trying to win, generate enough offense over the course of the year. Do I think they can win this week? Yes. Do I think the defense can drag them to 10 wins? And have them in the playoffs, but minus 180, that seems really mispriced to me because you just don't know. And, and the drop off has been significant um, from from Watson, who's been up and down, to the other guys. One DTR appearance was not good. Um, I'm not stunned that they if they do make the playoffs, but I could not lay 180. No way. I I, I saw 190. I hear 180. I I think that's 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 40 cents too high at least.
1: Well, that's, that's great news for some some friends of mine. They they smashed uh, immediately after the injury news. I had a couple of people I know hit plus 250 to, to miss. So they got good, good value there. And, uh, yeah, switching to another team that's on the playoff brink, the Buffalo Bills. I'm beating my head against the wall betting the Buffalo Bills again. So uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Pretty critical matchup with the Jets. Another one that has a very low total and is expected to see the defenses doing most of the heavy lifting in this
2: one. You know, I don't think any sane person thinks it was Ken Dorsey's fault, right? But I am a believer in in teams getting a bounce out of that kind of change and and teams, you know, needing that wake-up call. And the Jets just don't score. They just, they, what did you say, one touchdown in a month, right? Um, Averaging less than one touchdown a game for the year. They just don't score. Buffalo's going to score. I respect the heck out of the Jets' defense, and they come to Cleveland for a Thursday night game on December 28th. It's going to be like 11 degrees, and and there won't be 11 total points scored, right? But I think this week in a revenge spot for the Bills, like I am much more apt, guys. When I sit down early in the week for the column, you so generously referenced Eli. I'm much more apt to look at the Mac and look at the Saturday games, you know, and, and then outside of a strong Browns feeling, I don't see a ton of NFL. But man, when I just saw only a touchdown on the Bills give to me. I think they're going to win by 17.
0: So you're going to be sweating it out with Josh Allen and sweating some Ohio State, Minnesota on Saturday, along with being in the cold in between those two games for Browns and Steelers covering a low scoring game. And then some most likely God bless you, man. And I'm sure you enjoy (laughs) what you do, obviously, and a heck of a year covering this Browns team. He is Zach Jackson, at Akron Jackson on X Twitter, covering the Browns and the NFL for the athletic. Really appreciate the time, Zach, and really fun conversation for sure.
2: Well, I'm going to keep myself warm, Eli, because Ball State is going to beat Kent State early in the day. There's only two more chances to bet against this Kent State team. So I'm going to take that winner. I'm going to spend it on drinks in Ohio Stadium. I got to ride home. And then we'll show up Sunday and see what comes. But I'm expecting 13-10 either way. I give you a lot of credit,
0: man. For somebody who covers a team, you definitely sound more degenerate than the average (laughs) columnist. So I respect your college football love and NFL discussion, handicapping all these games, man. Really appreciate you coming on Beat the Closing Number today. Thanks, guys. He is Zach Jackson. And Mo, any last words before we get out of here? No, I just uh,
1: hope that uh, I might explore. Actually, what I was going to say, I might explore some uh, alt markets just for fun. I bet we can get some some good prices on under 20 and a half in that game.
0: <laughs> yeah, first half. Looking at some unders, too. We may have to be sweating out, even though Zach isn't going to be doing so necessarily In the press box, we may have to sweat out some first half unders or full game unders or alt unders for him for sure. But we have our bets that we discussed earlier on. And like I said, really appreciate Zach coming on the podcast today. Remember to give the video a thumbs up, ring the bell, subscribe, rate, and review to the Lions Podcast Network, wherever you find your favorite podcast. That's the Lions one word. And if you're planning on betting any NFL Week 11 action, first time users with BetMGM Sportsbook, can use bonus code THELINES to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet loses, remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. You can get all of our bets in the Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com. In the top right-hand corner, read our betting columns for Week 11 as well at thelines.com. So for Mo and for myself, Eli Herskovich, thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody.